0: Good morning, everyone. morning. morning. Okay, if you are a dad this morning, please raise your hand. Uh, we wrapped up some Father's Day gifts for you in the form of tamales. So if you are a dad, please raise your hand. Uh, the band's going to come around passing out some tamales. Uh, and I only have a couple announcements uh, for you all before we get going. Uh, first, I did request that song, but I don't think it was country at all. So I don't know what Aaron was talking about, but that's okay. Eh, maybe a little. Nah, not close enough. <laughs> Too close for Aaron, apparently. Uh, the second announcement I have is with Financial Peace University, if you are... Still interested in going to Financial Peace University and you uh, need childcare. today is the last day to sign up to make sure we have uh, people to watch your kids, so please go back uh, to the Welcome Center and sign up for that. I highly encourage that everyone goes through FPU at some point. It's great for budgeting, paying off debt, just handling money. Uh, I've been through it three times because I don't learn so well, apparently, so it's just the way it is. Um, So... Uh, also, there are Bibles underneath the seats and in the back, so if you forgot one and you would like to use one, we encourage you to grab one of those. Um, you can also download an app called YouVersion, and from there you can click on More and then Events, and you can get all of uh, the, the uh, verses that we're going to cover today, along with notes and questions for today's message. Uh, there are also analog versions of all these mess- of all the questions on all the communion tables, so you can go and grab one of those if you would like. Um, and chat with some of the questions about, you know, with your gospel community or with friends and family or when you're out with your dads this morning, so. Okay, so, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there this morning. Uh, my name is Donald Weeding. My wife and I are deacons and gospel community leaders here at Element, and I'm also a proud dad of these four kids. I think, there it is. So, you may see them running around. Uh, those are my little crazy monsters. Um, so, I as you can see, I don't have... I have a little bit of experience with being a dad, but not a whole lot. None of them are teenagers or adult kids yet, so I'm kind of living in the golden age of being a dad, I guess. So, uh, but you know, I talk to a lot of dads that are fathers to adult children and teenage children, and they tell me they still don't know everything about being a dad, so I think it's okay. So I'm going to speak a little bit about being a father this morning, but more than that, I want to speak about who God is as our Heavenly Father. So, if you can stand for the reading of God's word and join me in that, that'd be great. This is Ephesians 1-5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, coming down and rescuing us and bringing us into your family, God. Uh, Thank you for sending your son for us and loving us in all the wonderful ways that you do, God. I pray that we can be a people that know that it's nothing that we do in our lives uh, that bring us closer to you, but it's everything that you do for us that is bringing us to you. Thank you, God, for loving us and taking care of us and being a great heavenly father to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when I was in high school, actually here at Rigetti High School, I took a video class. I took a video class all four years of high school, but in one of those classes, the teacher, Mr. G, gave us a two-page script to go out and shoot a little mini-movie with. So we all got this script, and we were all taking turns between either being a director or an actor or an editor or a cinematographer and kind of traded roles as we did this project. And do you think every one of us came back with the same finished video, same acting style, same pace, same edit, same location, same length? No, of course not. So we all sat and watched how everyone put together these videos differently. We all had our own interpretation of this same two-page script we got. Even though it was the same script for all of us, we all interpreted it differently and came back with our own finished version. Some were fast, some were slow, some were quick. Some moved this outside scene into an inside setting. Uh, One of the students even... Shot theirs over the weekend in downtown L.A. to give it a very Hollywood look. That was really cool. Another student took theirs and made theirs into an action piece somehow. They were really into the Matrix at the time, so they managed to pull that off. Um, But just as we interpreted this script differently through our own eyes, the same thing happens in life. You see, when things happen around us, we all have our own interpretation and perception of that same event, like the script I got in high school and I gave my interpretation to my final product, we can all do the same thing as we pull different pieces and highlight it differently. We all come to a Sunday morning service and listen to the same mes- message, yet we all leave holding on to different parts of it in and, and a perspective through our own life lens. We leave with God pulling us to different parts of that very same Sunday morning message. And we see the same thing happening in the Gospels when we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John as they give an account to the life and ministry of Jesus. Each of them, they lay out a different perspective on the same events that happen, with a different focus from each of them. What I'd like to do with you this morning is look at one of those miracles that Jesus performed from three different points of view. And we're going to look at the same miracle that where Jesus heals a sick child. And we're going to kind of get three different mini messages with that. Before we begin, though, I do want to say that one part of this message I'm not going to talk about is the act of the healing itself. And I want to say that because there are a lot of people out there that have children that are sick or suffering in some way, and we just want Jesus to come in and heal those kids instantly and change their lives instantly, and that's not always the case. And so while God does speak about that, and the Bible does speak of very good things about that. Uh, That's a message for another time. And if you would like to talk to someone about that, I encourage you to grab Aaron or one of the elders, and they would love to talk to you about that this morning. In fact, I'm giving Aaron a speaking break this morning, so I'm sure he can say a lot of things really fast to you um, if you ask them. So... Uh, to kick things off, I want to start with Luke's account of this miracle. So, if you'd like to open your Bibles to Luke 9 37, uh, I want to start there because when it comes to the miracles Jesus performed, Luke would only include those miracles if there was an eyewitness that he was able to speak to himself about these miracles. I mean, the fact that this is in Luke's gospel means that Luke himself spoke with someone that was there. And he did this because he knew that if anyone asked him, Well, what about this? What about this? he can say, Hey, I got this from Tim and Jack. Tim and Jack were there. I talked to both of them. I separated them like a detective. I talked to one. I talked to the other. They gave me the same account. So trust me, this happened. So I really like the loose gospel because you know there isn't too much embellishment as it's a detailed, fact-driven account from the people that were there. So this is Luke 9, 37 through 43. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father, and all were astonished at the majesty of God. This is a great miracle that we get to study this morning. It has a crowd of witnesses, the disciples, a father looking for help for his son, and Jesus being a bit strong-worded, but also very compassionate, too. And with all of that, there's really three things I want to look, look at this morning and focus on as we continue to study it. The first is the father's request. It is Father's Day, so let's take a moment to step into the father's shoes for a bit. This man is bringing his only child to Jesus, this child that is sick, this child that's suffering. Now, it'd be great to think that this child just became sick, and he went to Jesus first for a quick healing, but that isn't the case. This boy has been suffering for a long time. This father has been watching his son suffer for a while, and I'm sure it's safe to say that this father has tried just about everything to help heal this child. I mean, if your only child was in constant pain, wouldn't you take that child to a doctor a specialist and take up every action you could to help them? Of course you would. Yes, a father would do anything to help their child, and this dad has most likely done all of that. He has suffered with this child, and now he hears about this teacher who's outperforming miracles, giving sight to the blind and healing the sick, and this dad does what any good dad would do. He picks up his child and brings him to Jesus. You see, the difference between this dad and us is that we don't have to wait for Jesus to come and perform miracles in our lives. We could actually go to Jesus first. I want to be clear. I'm not saying don't take a sick child to a doctor. You do do that. You take your child to a doctor. But we have the opportunity to turn to Jesus first and ask him to help deal with this and be with us in this moment. Ask him to help in healing and knowing that he's going to be beside us in all these situations and, and they're with us. Coming alongside us in those moments. The father, as he brings his son to Jesus for help, he is acting as an advocate for his son. He is speaking on behalf of his son, making this request on healing on behalf of his son. The father is speaking for his son, explaining the suffering he is experiencing, the life he is missing out on, and the burden that it brings this boy himself and the family. And Jesus hears the father's request and he instantly heals the boy. Later, Jesus, he's going to be an advocate for us. Jesus is going to be an advocate for us from the cross, but instead of speaking for us, for our suffering, for our lack of faith and the burden of sin we carry, Jesus is going to speak about his goodness. He will speak about the love and kindness of God. Jesus will show how great God is, how God is going to fulfill his promise to dwell with his people again as he gives up his only son for us. Jesus goes to the cross to take on all of our sin, for you and me. Jesus is amazing like this. He steps into these situations. The second thing I want to look at this morning is Jesus's response. Now, when Jesus says, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? I think it'd be easy to read this in a negative tone that could be interpreted as a put down to the people around him. I think it's easy to do that because that's kind of what Jesus is doing, actually. I think he's saying it in the most compassionate way possible, but Jesus is he's experiencing the burden he is carrying due to the lack of faith amongst his people. He is really speaking to his disciples here, and we'll see that a bit when we look at Mark's account, but I think he's also talking to the crowd a bit too. And that brings me to the third thing I want to look at, and that's the way the people responded. How did the people respond to this? In verse 43, it says, All were astonished at the majesty of God. As they, as they should be. I mean, Jesus just instantly healed this child right in front of their eyes. They should be astonished. This is amazing. This is, this is great. The crowd of people, they just witnessed a miracle. If they had any trouble believing Jesus uh, before this moment, I would like to hope that they were able to drop some of their unbelief, some of their doubts, that some of their doubts were just cast aside and they were able to see Jesus not only as a teacher but as Christ, as God. I'm not sure if that's exactly what happened, but I'd like to be hopeful that that did happen. I mean, what would you do in this situation? I think a better question is, what do you do in this situation? I mean, Jesus, he is still performing miracles today. Do you hold on to your unbelief and your doubt that it was God still working today? Or are you simply just astonished at the majesty of God? I want you to hold on to that question a bit. Uh, That's kind of the end of our first mini-message. Now I want to look at uh, Matthew's account. You can flip back two books to Matthew 17, starting at verse 14. In Matthew, he's going to give us a slight bit more detail on this miracle Jesus performed. And again, I want to look at the same three things. Uh, The Father's request, Jesus' response, and the people's response. Matthew's account of the same miracle, he's not going to focus on necessarily the crowd, the way the crowd responds, though. He's going to focus on how the the disciples reacted. This is Matthew 17, 14 through 21. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. First thing is the father's, excuse me, the father's request. There's a little more information here. The father kneeled before him. This dad just didn't think Jesus might be able to do it he saw the majesty of Jesus and kneeled before his king to make this request he came humbly and treated Jesus as a king he came to the father he came as a father to help, ask for help from the son who works through the father and we need to do the same thing that this dad did we need to come to Jesus kneeling before him and seeing him as a king I think too often many of us just see Jesus as a friend, a pal in times of, that's there in times of need, or maybe a teacher that can guide us, teach us, and show us who we are meant to be. But we often forget that he is a king. I know I forget this at times. I mean, how we view God is extremely important. We should see our, our God as a king, a savior, a friend, a father. Because it is Father's Day, I want to look at that title for just a minute, the title of Father for a second. Father, what, what does that mean to you? Does it mean love, kindness, hardworking, caring, giving, supportive, a combination of those? Or does it hold a different meaning to you? Rough, absent, abusive, angry, selfish. Maybe a combination of just all of those that moved around from time to time. You see, your view of the word father, my view of the word father, your neighbor's view of the word father holds a different meaning based on that person's experience with their dad, their father, Father, it's a very powerful title that can shape the child's future as it's going to be the kids, it's going to be their catalyst of how they view God as our Heavenly Father. We should be our kids' friends in times, playing with them, being silly with them. We should also be their rescuer, coming to them in times of need, protecting them from the dangers of this world, and also be their authority, setting rules for them, punishing them when they're acting like fools while we all share characteristics and parts of who God is as we are made in his image, there is a special relationship men have with God in the shared title of father. Dads, sharing a title that God also has is something that should hold a special place in our hearts and also something that should help allow us to grow to understand who God is more fully through that shared title. Dads, you are the model for how your child will view God until they themselves have a relationship with our heavenly father. This should be something that holds a lot of responsibility and weight as dads are getting are setting up what a father is to their children. As fathers, we should point them to who our great heavenly Father is. We should help them see that our love for them comes from an understanding of his love for us. Fathers, we can model this by reading the Bible with our kids, praying with our kids, and setting up the title Father for them so they can understand who our God is as a loving, caring, and compassionate Father that He is. This all starts with us men seeing Jesus as our King. This is us as fathers kneeling to ask for His help and knowing that He can and He does rescue us. And what does Jesus do when we make these requests? Well, the second thing is Jesus' response. And again, Jesus points out the lack of faith in the people and his own disciples. The disciples couldn't heal this boy themselves due to their own lack of faith. Just as we, today, we lack faith ourselves and the, the disciples. They had their own issues of lack of faith, their moments of unbelief, but Jesus, he still steps into those situations. And this brings me to the third thing, and that's the way the people responded. But again, Matthew doesn't look at how the crowd responded, but rather how the disciples responded. After this miracle healing, uh, after they were alone with Jesus, they asked him, why could we not cast it out? We put in a good one too, and the kid wasn't healed. I mean, what's up with that? Lack of faith, unbelief. You see, they were still learning from Jesus and probably held on to their own doubts, those doubts, those moments of unbelief. They're like heavy chains that keep us down from the freedom that comes from a real relationship with Jesus. The disciples here, while, while they believed, they were still holding on to some sort of doubt. They were having trouble truly believing. Some of us think that if we could just see Jesus in person, talk to him in person, see his works with our own eyes, then we would truly and fully believe. And I, I don't think that's true. It wasn't, it wasn't true for the disciples, these men that spent so much time with Jesus himself. I mean, this is the doubting Thomas situation. The Doubting Thomas situation is this, see, when Jesus rose from the grave and he first visit, visited the uh, disciples, Thomas wasn't there. I think he was busy playing video games or something. And when he heard Jesus wasn't there, he said this uh, in John twenty twenty five: unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas, he makes this firm and bold statement. And what is Jesus's response? Challenge accepted. A few weeks later, Jesus is going to pop into a room with the disciples. And I like to think of this as going down as all the disciples are maybe playing cards against humanity or something. And then all of a sudden, bam, Jesus. And he just looks right at Thomas. And Thomas, I'm sure, is sitting there thinking, oh, crap. I'm going to have to put my finger through those hands, aren't I? And, 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 and Jesus says this Thomas. Put your hands here and see my hands and put your hand here and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe And then he like fist bumps Peter and John slips him five bucks for actually doing it. I think it, okay, maybe it didn't really go down like that. But the point I want to make is that we tend to not want to believe in the works of God is doing in our lives today, how he was changing people today, how he is making all things new again. See, we go full doubting Thomas and we say, well, that isn't Jesus. It is important for us to understand that the disciples were like Thomas at one point. All of them were. I need Jesus to show up for me to believe it. Where instead, maybe we need to be more like the crowd that was witnessing Jesus heal the child. Maybe we can just see a miracle and simply be astonished at the majesty of God. Maybe we can be a people that believe and have faith without holding on to all our unbelief. That's the end of our second uh, mini-message. And now you can flip forward uh, one chapter to Mark 9, 14, and we'll close out with our third Mini message: Looking at Mark's account of this miracle, Mark he wrote a lot of his gospel account with Peter. Peter spent a lot of time with Jesus, and they worked together in writing this. And while Mark's gospel account is the shortest of the four, he had the most detailed account of this particular miracle. And again, I want to focus on the same thing, three things: the Father's request, Jesus' response, and the way the people responded. This is uh, Mark nine fourteen through twenty nine. Okay, we're getting a little deja vu here, and we know how the story ends. But still, Mark, he has a little extra info here already that we can piece together from the other gospel accounts we looked at. I mean, we know why this crowd was arguing. They were arguing because the father, who was bringing his child to Jesus, saw the disciples first and asked the disciples to heal this child, and they couldn't. They couldn't do it. And so they were arguing about this fact. And this is what Jesus, and, and they Then explain to him, well, this is what's going on. This is this kid that needs healing. And Jesus says this, continuing in verse 19. And he, this is Jesus, answered him, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? This question from Jesus to the father, it's new and unique to this gospel account. And I really want you to listen to the answer, but more importantly, I want you to focus on Jesus' reply to that answer. Verse 21, and he, this is the father, said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes, The father, he does believe that Jesus can heal his son. It's why he brought this child to Jesus. It's why he traveled to Jesus, yet he's still holding on to some doubts. He doesn't truly believe, and he asks, if you can. If you can, because he has tried so many other options into healing his son, and he isn't comfortable just putting all of his faith into this teacher before him. He knows Jesus is a king. He knows Jesus has been healing others. He knows Jesus has performed other miracles, but he is still having trouble believing it. Jesus then corrects his request and says, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Now upon hearing this from Jesus, here is the father's response. In verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my my unbelief. Help my unbelief. This dad, he is honest with Jesus. He admits that he does believe, but at the same time, he is holding on to some doubt. He asked Jesus to help him truly believe. And I think that part of the reason Jesus healed this child was to help the father know who he truly is. Jesus knew that by healing this child, that at the same time, he'd be healing this dad. He'd be curing him of his unbelief. Because of the nature of our fallen world and this side of eternity we are on, all of us, we're going to hold on to our own doubts, our own moments of unbelief. That's why it's not the amount of faith we have, but who our faith is in that matters. This should be our request to Jesus with our own doubts. Help in my unbelief. Jesus, I know you rescued me from sin, but help me truly believe that. God, I believe you sent your only son to die for me. Help me to truly believe it. God, you can change the hearts of people and give them new life. Help me to truly believe that. I am loved by my Creator who wants the very best for me. Help me truly believe. I have been adopted in God's family through the works of His Son. Help me truly believe. I am a child of God, have been saved, and now I want to live for him. Jesus, help me in my unbelief. You see, we can know who Jesus is. We can have a relationship with God by coming to him, even when we doubt, even when our faith is as small as a mustard seed, and this should give us great hope, because it's not about the size of our faith that matters. It's about who our faith is in that matters. Jesus could come into our lives today and change those hard hearts of ours and give us a new heart of flesh. See, we have a loving, heavenly Father who, through the works of His Son on the cross, saved us from ourselves. Jesus, He was an advocate for us, and with that, God adopted us into His family. He loved us and welcomes us into His life. Why? Why would He want the rebellious people we are? Why would He want us with all our unbelief we have? Because he himself is good. It is a miracle that God wants to rescue, save, and adopt us and take us in. I do believe in miracles, but help in my unbelief. We are going to spend the summer looking at miracles, but let's not ignore the miracles that are still happening today. Let's not ignore how Jesus is still on his rescue mission of us. Let's open our eyes to how Jesus is changing people today, how Jesus is healing people today, how he is still making all things new. Let's be honest with our unbelief and let's ask Jesus to help us in our unbelief. Jesus, he performed a miracle in healing this child at at his father's request. Even though the father had trouble believing, Jesus still performed this miracle. This is the heart of the gospel that Jesus rescues us even through our weak faith, our places of unbelief. The cross of Christ is not a testament of our own faith. It is a testament of God's goodness in the midst of our unbelief. The result of God's good news is that Jesus is still doing this today. Jesus is still changing people, saving people, and bringing the most unlikely people, that's us, to him. Miracles, they're still happening today, even if we don't believe. Help in my unbelief. Now we're going to wrap this up really quickly, continuing in verse uh, 25. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. You see, the dad asked for help from the son, but it wasn't his responsibility to save his son. Jesus stepped into this moment and he saved this boy. He, he performed a miracle and rescued him and healed him and brought him back up to life again. And then the disciples said, well, why can't we do this? Jesus' response is, It's not necessarily your responsibility. It's mine. It's Jesus' responsibility. And he says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the answer to so many of our problems and troubles in this world today. Prayer is that place where we can go to God and ask him to step into our lives and, and be with us and save us and rescue us, knowing that he does do that, knowing that he will do that. You see, we have a loving Heavenly Father who has chosen us to be part of His family. And we, even in, our, even in the midst of our unbelief, even in the midst of our doubt, He still chooses us and wants us. And when we have those troubles, we can go to prayer and we can say, Jesus, help in our unbelief. I'm going to invite the band to come up now. And as they do, uh, we'll, give an, we'll have an opportunity to worship. Worship through music, uh, communion, prayer and giving. Communion. Communion is that place where we remember everything that God has done for us. We break that cracker just as his body was broken for us. We dip it in the wine or the grape juice to remember his blood that was spilled for us. We do this remembering that Jesus came on a rescue mission for us. We also uh, are going to worship through offering. We have offering boxes on the sidewalls and in the back, and we give because remember how much he has given to us. I mean, our Heavenly Father gave us his son so we can be part of his family, and we give back as a response to that. We also worship through prayer. Prayer is that time that we can go to God with all of our doubts and unbelief. And if you are looking for someone to pray with, there will be deacons and elders in the back, and they would love to pray with you. But prayer, it's that place where we can go and we can say, God, take these heavy chains of unbelief that are keeping us, weighing us down. Break those, take those off us so we can raise our hands to worship who he truly is as a great and loving God. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I pray that we can be a people that um, come to you first and foremost knowing that you are there for us. God, I pray that even with these moments of doubt, even with these this unbelief we hold on to, just like the disciples held on to, that we can know that you are going to step into that. We know that you are going to come in, you are going to rescue us, and you are going to love us, and that you are going to, Bring us to know who you are, God. God, thank you for being a great and loving father who is constantly wanting the best for us, looking out for us, and loving us. Thank you for bringing us into your family, God. God, it's Father's Day, but I pray that we can be people that celebrate Father's Day every day. Celebrating you as our Heavenly Father. In your Son's good name we pray. Amen.